Good morning and welcome to the vineyard. It's good for us to be here. Exciting things are happening. There's construction going on out in the parking lot and everybody's posting on um, social media. What is it? What is it? What is it? And I see crazy stuff. It's a Firestone Tire Center. If anybody tells you anything other than that, they're lying to you. It is a Firestone Tire. Richmond needs another tire center. Really bad. Okay, and so we're getting one, and that's awesome, and it's fine. It's absolutely fine. When we planted this church, I am very interested in the economic development of this city as well. I have prayed for it and prayed for it. I'm hoping it means more jobs and things like that. If you saw the other banner down at the end of the parking lot, then you maybe saw that there's also a uh, Cane's Chicken place, it looks like, is going in. That part's just a rumor, but it says coming soon or something like that on the banner. I know that they're selling some of the outlying parcels um, of, of the mall area, the people that own it, trying to develop it. And so exciting things are going on. And so you have to drive through or around the construction to kind of get up to here where you can park close. But you can thank us because you're getting your Fitbit, my, Fitbit miles in. Um, you just park way down at Red Lobster and just walk all the way up and you'll get your steps in and that'll be a good thing, okay? Um, the other thing that you saw when you came in is like, man, our church is changing inside. Suddenly the coffee, you know, culture colors are gone and it's starting to brighten up and it physically looks bigger. It's the same amount of space. It's just reconfigured a little bit and it physically looks better, um, or bigger. And, and so we're excited about that and what that's doing in here. But listen, none of this means a thing. Out there, our world is changing. In here, our church building is changing. But the most important thing, believe it or not, is that in here, you are changing. That is incredibly important. If we don't recognize that we as individuals, even I'm already saved, but I still should be anticipating that God wants to change me and do things in my life. So as people come in and we say, hey, come as you are, don't, but don't stay that, uh, uh, stay that way. I say that to you and I. I say that to me. Joe, come in here and wrestle with God, but don't stay that way. We're in the middle of this series called God, This We Believe, and the message this morning is um, being naturally supernatural. That's a, that's a key component of being the vineyard. And if you were here in the first sermon and you just decided, man, I got to stay over and listen to this sermon one more time, you're not going to hear, yeah, you're not going to hear the same sermon because I was sitting over there and I was just processing in my heart, in my head and wrestling with myself the concept of being naturally supernatural. And, and then I just felt like the Lord is saying, so this is the message I want you to preach this morning. And it's like, okay, Lord, but I didn't study that one and write it down. That's just a scripture that I'm begging the media team. I hope that I've given them enough team time to put up because I, the Lord laid something entirely different. Yep, it's there. Thank you. You guys are amazing. Um, entirely different on my heart for you today. And so if you're like, well, man, we're getting cheated out of this morning's sermon. What is the deal? No. On Tuesday, I hope, uh, unless this one's better, uh, Sunday, uh, the, the morning service will be online and you can listen to it. And, and we'll see how that works. But I want to share something with you today. I, I want to talk about this concept of being naturally supernatural um, because that's, what's, that's what I feel is compelling me to do this. Beyond that, I want to say this. 
When you come into church and we worship a spiritual God, spiritual things need to be happening. And if they're not, we need to stop and ask ourselves why. Don't come in and get satisfied with a healthy uh, story that you've heard time and time again and say, now let's go out, let's grill some burgers, let's get back into this weekend. It's happening. Let's go. Don't, don't do that, man. Walk into your church, our church, this church, some other church, and expect the God of, of, of the universe to do something in your life. Walk in and say, God, you have got something for me. Because there is somebody in here that needs to hear this message this morning. And I'm going to say, we all need this message this morning. But I'm changing this up, and I'm going out on a limb, and we may be done in a couple of seconds. No, I'm just kidding. It won't, it'll take more than a couple of seconds. But I want to share this with you. And, and I'm just telling you that as the pastor of this church, trying to press back in and make sure that I'm hearing from God and hearing rightly so. If I'm sitting there and he's going to mess up all the work that I put into this morning's sermon and say, Joe, this is what I want you to teach on. I have to believe that he's saying something to us and to you this morning. So I just want you to separate yourself out from all of the crazy of the world, all of the crazy of our lives, and let's just stop and say, come Holy Spirit, and whatever it is you want to do with this, because we keep praying every Sunday morning, wreck our service if you want to. Well, today's that day. And let's just see what the Lord has to say to you and I, okay? I'm going to use the opening from this morning's service. I'm going to ask you, are you living naturally, supernaturally, or naturally supernatural? Is that a little too confusing? Some of you are like, oh, please, not on a labor, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Please, no. I don't make us have to wrestle with what you just said. Okay, here, let me do it again. Are you living naturally? Are you living supernaturally or are you living naturally supernatural? I'm asking this because, listen to this, natural is being led around by your emotions, your circumstances, your desire, your greeds, your lust, and your base human instincts. If you're living naturally, you're just letting your emotions lead you around. And your emotions were never supposed to lead you around. You are supposed to be in control of your emotions. Let me put it to you this way. You can't make me mad. I can get mad at what you're doing but it's a choice that I made, okay? So either we're gonna be led around like, you know, like animals and somebody kicks us in the shin and we're just gonna get mad. We're just gonna be led by our emotions or we're gonna be in control of our emotions. But natural is just to be led around like there's a ring in your nose by whatever human emotions and desires and greeds and lusts come upon you. Supernatural, and these are all just my definitions, okay? <clears throat> Supernatural to me is being caught up in the hype and the drama of religiously flamboyant and unrealistic circumstances. Want me to read that again to you? I believe that supernatural is always being caught up in the hype and the drama of religiously flamboyant and unrealistic circumstances. That's, that's how I would define that personally. Now, let me take it a step forth further. Naturally supernatural. That's an understanding that we are in fact supernatural beings created by God and it's our identity and it's not a mode that we switch into when we want to do something special, fancy, fun, and supernatural. We just recognize that supernatural is the way we're supposed to be living. Just, it's just our identity. We don't think about it. It's Peter and John going up to the temple and just healing the, the blind man and then saying, why are you people so surprised that this person was healed in Jesus' name? It's what we're supposed to be doing. See, it's that concept. 
And are we living that way? Remember, I'm not talking about the sensation with the billboards and the neon lights and the waving of coats and things like that. Okay, we're going to leave that to other people. I'm saying that we should be doing super, excuse me, spiritual and supernatural things in the presence of God because he's spiritual and supernatural. Natural is actually defined as an adjective, and it means existing in or caused by nature, not made or caused by mankind. And supernatural is also an adjective, and it is attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. So for me, supernatural, or excuse me, naturally supernatural, is to exist in an understanding of the normalcy of being beyond natural. So the way that we interact with the world around us should, in fact, be supernatural. And it, just, it should just be a natural way. I mean, that should just be the way we operate. We just, we just, you know, we pray with the end in mind. We believe because God said. We have authority because Jesus left us with us. The Holy Spirit came and stayed when Jesus left instead of, in the Old Testament, coming and going and coming and going. He lives inside of us. We should know things because God tells us them ahead of time. And I know I'm supposed to read to you from Luke chapter 17, so I'm going to do that. And this is what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And he stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And that's what they said to him. And I'm going to stop right there. You guys do what you want in the back, but that's where I'm going to stop. And so we live in a world of people that are lepers. You're a leper. We're all unclean. The idea when we read our scripture and we open up a Bible and we read that, you know, somebody was crippled, somebody was blind, somebody was lame, somebody was dead, um, somebody had leprosy, somebody had an issue of blood for 12 years. Listen to me. You and I are all captured in those stories. That's the point of Luke telling us this story is that we are all unclean people. Now, when you read leprosy here, you can read it one of two different ways. You can read it um, theologically as a skin disease that won't go away. You've got real bad acne on your face. It won't go away, and therefore you're a leper because that's what that word would mean. It more concretely means actual leprosy, the kind where you have nerve damage in the extremities or in your body, and so you're not paying attention to where your hands and where your feet are, and because of that, you start getting infections and you start le losing digits or arms or whatever that might be. And so it becomes what you know probably traditionally as leprosy. Okay? Whatever the case here, we know that these 10 men literally were lepers. Now, what does that mean for you to be a leper in Jesus' day? <clears throat> well, remember, Jesus is traveling on the border or the in-between of Jerusalem and Samaria, okay? He's, he's traveling in that zone again where, well, even the Samarians must be unclean. So, you know, it's like, hey, what's going on here? But we recognize the idea that if you're an unclean person, according to Old Testament law, you had to let the people around you know that you were unclean and you were not allowed to interact in society. You weren't allowed to. You had to say, unclean, unclean. It's one of the big things, if you're familiar with the story of the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, it's one of the biggest things to Jewish people when you tell that story because that woman had no business being there. Even if it was just her monthly cycle, she had to be outside of the camp for those seven days. 
see? And she was 12 years into this um, bleeding that was going on in her body and she couldn't get it stopped. And, and so she was supposed to stay away from society. She was supposed to shelter outside the city in the camp with other people that were unclean. And so Jesus is walking, and, he, and he's moving up to, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's traveling through Samaria and Galilee. He's on his way. He goes into this village, and this village has a group of people outside. They're lepers, and they're not allowed to be with other people. And so they stand at a distance, and they cry out, and they say, Lord, 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 Lord. And they're crying out to him because there's something about him at this point in Jesus' ministry that these people understand. They understand that this guy, Jesus, the master, that name means something, that they have heard it, they understand it, and if they can get him to pay them attention, they might get healed. And so they cry out. Do we cry out to Jesus when we want to be healed? Do we cry out or do we wait till things are so desperate? And they're pretty desperate, don't get me wrong. But they're crying out and they believe something about this Jesus that we need to grasp today, that he can actually do something about their life situation. And so they are crying out saying, Jesus, will you come? Will you do this? <clears throat> and, and the scripture uh, goes on from there and lets us know when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as, um, as they went, they were cleansed. So they're cleansed of this as they're on their way because, again, part of the process is if you have a disease, and let's just pick leprosy because that's the one being talked about, if you get to the place where you're healed, you have to go show yourself to the priest, and the priest has to mark the day and see that, you know, this is what your skin looked like, this is what it looked like before. You still have to wait a little bit longer because they got to look at it again. And they've got to see that it's actually getting better to know that you're not infectious. And so Jesus says, go show them that it's cleansed. And I would understand and I would choose to believe that based upon that, it was gone. So that when they showed up, they didn't have to come back again. They showed up and the priest said, what leprosy? But it says right there, on the way, they were there. So they interacted with Jesus, the 10 lepers, and there they are. And they're seeing what's going on. And so they go to, to be cleansed. And then it says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he, and this is Luke smacking you and I upside the face if we were good Jews. And he was a Samaritan. Now, real quick, <clears throat> you've heard me say this before. This is your home church, that a Samaritan is a half Jew. A Samaritan is somebody that historically captured got hauled off, and the people that were left in and around Judea got invaded by Assyrians that were promised land, and then they intermarried, and suddenly you have these Samaritans that want to be Jews, but they're not Jews, and so the Jews consider the Samaritans unclean as a nation, as a people group. They're unclean. Pick somebody today. You pick somebody that you personally have a problem with. This pretty much basically just defines racism 2,000 years ago in Jesus' area of the world. They didn't like um, Samaritans. They didn't want Samaritans touching them. If the Samaritan touched them, they couldn't go to worship. They couldn't go into the temple. They had to wash and be clean for seven days because that's the way it was. And so this Samaritan, Luke says, came back and thanked him. And this is what Jesus says. And Jesus says, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? When no one was, uh, when no one was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, 
And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And I'm back to the place where we live naturally and supernaturally. And there is something about our faith where Jesus says, if you can believe, if you will choose to believe. And I would dare say that we don't always live our lives in a naturally supernatural uh, manner. We don't always live in a natural, uh, I mean, excuse me, in a supernatural manner. But we're trying to connect to a spiritual God. And this scripture is telling us the story. And, and, and I believe this is what Luke is trying to get at. While he's talking to us about supernatural things happening, he's also talking to us about our hearts. And so we come into the presence of God and we want God to, to do stuff for us. And, and we want God to love us. And we want God to heal us. And we want God to intervene with us. And we want God and we want God. But then comes the time when we go home from church or we go home from work or we go home from prayer meeting or we go home from small group and we want God to stay out of our lives. And we wonder why God's not interacting with us. Because God doesn't want to just give us what we're crying out for. See, in this story, there were 10 people that cried out and said, Will you heal me? Will you heal me? Jesus, Master, heal us. <clears throat> and there were 10 people that headed off to show the priest that they were healed. But there was only one that was willing to come back and thank him for it and enter into a relationship with him. Now, I'm starting to expound on that just a little tiny bit. <clears throat> but there were nine that didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They just wanted what Jesus could do for them. Did you see that in there? I mean, don't we go through life doing that? Don't we go through our relationship to Jesus? We open up, we have our quiet time, and we think that if we can just be good enough, somehow God will have favor on us, and, and he will give us like, the car, the job, the house, the wife, the husband, whatever. He'll give it to us if we just be good. And I'm just telling you, you can't be good enough. That's why he came, because he loves you, and he wants to forgive you. But most of the people that want God to solve the problems of the world don't really want a relationship with God. They just want something from God. And, and, and this one Samaritan, this one unclean person, this one person that wasn't raised in the church, um, that didn't understand the church, probably didn't even know their Bible, this one person came back to Jesus and said, thank you, and got down on his face. That's what it means, worship. When you worship, when you see that in your Bible and it says, and they worshiped Jesus or they worshiped God, it means they fell down on their face. That's what it means, to, to that word worship. It means to fall down prostrate on the ground in front of God because we recognize that we're not worth what God's worth. And so we fall down. And this one came back to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And so as we interact with God and we say, God, we want you to intervene in our, in our relationships and our marriages and our jobs. And when we do that, are we asking God to start a relationship with us, to continue a relationship with us? Or are we asking God just to give us birthday presents? so to speak. See? I'm thinking this, about this a lot because for whatever reason on my heart for the last couple of weeks has been this idea, are we living thankful lives? And when I say we, I mean me. Am I living a thankful life? And I think the Holy Spirit's asking me if I'm living a thankful life. Because I know what I, I, I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, this is what's going on in my family's life, in my children's lives, and this, 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 and this. And I'm not just saying in my 
relationship to Jesus when I'm reading my Bible? Am I saying, thank you, God? I'm not saying that when I have my quiet time first thing in the morning or last thing at night or when I get to my office that I don't spend time saying, Lord, thank you for the church and thank you that they're really messing up the parking lot out there and I hate them for it and thank you that we don't have pennies yet. I know you've got a plan. I'm really not happy with you about that because I don't understand. Okay, I, I talk to God like he is God who is my father. Okay, I'm very respectful, <laughs> but... It's not just, am I thankful in those moments? Do I go through life living thankfully? When you're at your job doing your job, are you living thankfully? When you're in a relationship, when you're at the restaurant, when you're trying to decide where you want, yeah, that's when you're trying to decide where you want to go with your significant other or your spouse to eat, are you, are you living thankfully in that moment? Because you know how it goes, right? Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Just pick someplace. No, I picked someplace last time. Why don't you pick someplace? Right, so, well, I picked someplace the time before that, and it wasn't a good pick, so why don't you pick? And we do this, and you just want to say, pick a place! You know? The young man that was my summer intern for two for two summers when I lived in western Oklahoma, is now the president of the Bible college that I graduated from. Yes, I'm just so proud of him. And I, he has a dad. He doesn't need me, but I'm so proud of him. But he came down to town this past week, and he was down here, and uh, we were just talking, and before he came down, he said, hey, I'll drive to Richmond. I'm going to be in Lexington. Where do you want to eat? And it's like, oh, don't even start this with me. <laughs> Seriously. I said, I don't care. Where do you want to eat? He goes, well, I'll eat anything. And it's like, here, it's my friend, not my wife. It's like, what would you like to eat? And finally, I just said, dude, listen, you come down here, pick it. I'll pay. But you just decide where we're going. I want to spend time with you. I said, there's a Mexican restaurant here that we like. And I can take you to Brady's, you know, Japanese cuisine. I said, what, what, I love Mexican. I said, thank you. There it is. Fine. Let's do that. So, you know, we get to those places and it's like, totally forgot why I wanted that illustration to be in here. <laughs> Let's all just take a deep breath for a second and pray to God and say, Lord, why did you want Pastor Joe to share that illustration about husbands and wives that can't make a decision and how, oh, because it's the concept of living thankfully. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. I was just honestly thankful to see this young man. I, I really was. I was thank, thankful to see where God had taken him. I really didn't care what I was going to eat. I, I, I honestly didn't. And sometimes when we're out to dinner with our spouses, sometimes we, we let these things stack up and it's like, who cares? Are we living thankfully in those moments? I want to, us to understand that living thankfully is not saying to God, hey, thank you, God, that you gave me this, and then moving on. It's living a life of thankfulness that spills over into the lives of the people that are around you. As people interact with you at work, and um, are you a gracious person and thankful because of what God has done in your life? Or are you still kind of, you know, like you're not getting your way or you're not getting this, that, or the other thing, um, and that's the way it is. What, what is it that's going on? Are we living thankfully? Because I see two different things going on in this passage that the Lord laid on my heart. The one being that I think God wants us to live thankfully. And I think there's a place for us to stop complaining about the things that we don't have and start thanking God for the things that we do have. You know what I mean? It, it's time for Now listen, I, I, to, to over-spiritualize it as your pastor, let me, let me start. I can be thankful for my salvation. The problem is when we under-spiritualize that very thought. When we under-spiritualize the fact that we have been saved by God into a relationship with God, and we, we stop dating and flirting with God, so to speak, 
that's another book I'm reading right now, but because of that. See, when, when, when my wife said that she would marry me, I didn't suddenly stop being thankful. As a matter of fact, I've been thankful all week that she married me, that she puts up with me, that she loves me, that she, but I do it by staying in the relationship and communicating with her. I want to talk to her. I want to go on a date. I want to take her up and, and visit her family. I want to do these things with her. I want to live thankfully with her. And God's been challenging me. Am I living thankfully? And so I'm, you know, I, I, I'm saying, are there things that we need to stop and be thankful for? And honestly, without being all cliche and, and hokey, are we even thankful for our salvation? These guys got cleansed. We got saved. Do we celebrate that? Hey, I've got this going for me. And I'm not saying in a manner that says, well, at least I'm saved. I don't want you to go there necessarily. But I want, to, I want you to look around and say, wow, I do want to thank God for where I live. I've got a roof over my head. I do want to thank God for friends that I have. I do want to thank God. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for where you put me. I want to thank you for my church. I want to thank you, God, for the mall. I want to thank you for the construction going out there in the, in the driveway. I, I want to thank God for the possibility of more business so people will have jobs in Madison County. I want to thank God for that. I don't want to complain about the inconvenience. And I don't want to live my life saying that one day when God finally does this for me, I'll enjoy life. I have got a lot to thank God for right now. And I know there are people that will say, well, yeah, God just blessed the living daylights out of you. Well, one of the things that he blessed the living daylights out of was the ability to work hard and earn what I've got and make my way and see God calling me to come here and saying, okay, I'm the crazy guy that's going to jump. I'm going to jump, Lord. If you say jump, I'm going to jump and it may kill me, but I will jump. I will, do, I will change the sermon on Sunday morning. I will look like an idiot, Lord if that's what you're calling me to do. Because I want to live thankful. And because of my salvation, I want to come back to God and say thank you. I want to keep coming back and saying, wow, Lord, I know I ask for a lot, but thank you. A lot of times, what is it we're asking for from God? Lord, get me out of this situation. That's exactly what's going on right here. I'm in a situation, I'm a leper. God, get me out of this. And God says, okay. And then what we do? We don't join God. We run off until we find ourselves in another situation. And then we come back. But one leper came back and said, let me thank you first for what you're doing. And you know that had to start a relationship. There was something about that leper that believed. What would happen if when, when God met our prayer, we came and said, thank you, and then we live thankful for that? What was it somebody said? The job you have right now is the one that you were crying out to God for three or four years ago. And now you're saying, God saved me from this job. <laughs> See? Can we back up and say, thank you, God? for the way that you're taking care of me. Because there's something about that thank you. It says these people were cleansed, but it says this one guy, he wasn't cleansed. It described him as healed. He was healed. The other ones were cleansed. See, sometimes God takes away the circumstance, but it's the heart work that he's trying to do. In the Old Testament, the, the prophet said that God needs to take from you and I a heart of stone 
and he needs to give us a heart of flesh. But sometimes we don't want a heart of flesh. We just want God to solve what we want right now. God, this itches. It's leprosy. Make it go away. Make it go away. Okay, it's gone away. Fine, I'm, we're good. Thanks. And we don't enter into that relationship with God that says, hey, God only wants our heart because in getting our heart, he gets it all. And so that's what he's after. That one out of nine had a change of heart. And I'm aware of that over and over and over again. What's going on? And I wonder as we come in here right now, do we live thankfully? Do, do you consider yourself a person who lives thankfully? Or do you live negatively? Something good happens for somebody instead of being thankful for them, with them. We're kind of negative toward it. Well, they probably cheated. They probably lied. They probably got the job. They probably got the grade. They probably got this. Well, they probably stole that. They probably worked their way to top. But, you know, or do we, do we thank God with them? Do we celebrate? Because we're called to think differently from the world. I see how you did that. As godly Christian people, you and I are called to think differently than the world. The world thinks me. And we've been called to think long-term, always, always, always long-term. Always the transforming by the renewing of our mind. Paul told the church in Rome, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's something God has called you to be. If you can take a mind that is so focused on get, 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 and transform that mind into thank you, thank you, thank you, you might be surprised where God is able to take you because then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See? It's an amazing thing that God wants to do in your life. It really is. And this morning, God is calling us, are we living thankful lives? Because we can transform that, but we have to be intentional about it. And I think too many times we come into the presence of God and we're saying, give me, give me, give me. I'm going to invite the worship team to start making their way back up here. But, but I'm just wondering, what are you thankful for this morning? Or maybe another way of looking at this is to say, what is it that's been eating your lunch when you came in here that God is now saying to you, I'm asking you to be thankful instead of grumbling and complaining? Do you find yourself with a grumbly, complainy heart? Or do you find yourself with a thankful heart? Is it time for us to say thank you for God for the healing that he's bringing into our lives? Or do we just run off because he gave us the sucker that we asked for, and now that we've got the sucker, we don't need anything else? Until it happens again. See? Do we recognize that we're kind of cheating God when we don't brag on him in the world out there? We're cheating him. Out of the blessings that's his for loving on us. And we keep our mouth shut. When we should be saying, you know what God did 
when I prayed. There's a young lady in our church that her air conditioner went out. She's got a couple of kids and the apartment people say they're not going to fix it till next week sometime. And you know how it is. It's a holiday weekend and it's blistering hot and she didn't know what to do. And so she contacted me and said, hey, what do I do? Is there anybody that can help me? And just like that, some of you jumped in there. I mean, jumped on it big time. Solved her problem today. It's solved. She's got air conditioning via window units. But we have a view, we have a mindset that says, hey, can we be thankful and therefore reach out? We can be thankful and therefore give. We can be thankful and therefore get involved. We can be thankful and be inconvenienced. We can be thankful and come back to God and say, God, I want to thank you. You know, that's all tithing is. And this isn't a message about money, but that's all tithing is. God is just saying, hey, I want you to bring a tenth back to me and I want you to say thank you. That's all I want. I just want to thank you for it. You ever lived and worked and busted your tail and, and it appeared that nobody really cared? Nobody appreciated it? You remember how that felt? Imagine God and seven and a half billion people on the planet. How many come back and say thank you? Thank you for loving us. Thank you for creating a beautiful world. Thank you for my neighbors that I struggle to get along with at times, but thank you. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my income. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. God, I need to thank you. Thank you for the tough things that I go through because they shape and mold me according to Scripture. Thank you, God. And how many of us need to say, God, please forgive me for complaining. Please forgive me for always wanting and never helping. Please forgive me for going through life with blinders on thinking it's all about me. When you want it to be about us, together. I belong to a group of people on a social media site based upon the automobile that I drive anymore. And it's crazy to me because one of them modified his automobile and now his neighbors, they don't like it when he acts like an idiot, like he's still 18 and he's like 40-something. And I remember posting the other day on his side, it, it doesn't cost anything to be a nice neighbor, to be a good neighbor. It doesn't cost a thing. And he's like, I have the right to do what I want. I'm free in this country. and I'm You know, this country is great because this country understood that the individual is not more important than the group. And that's how it became a nation. It really is. And that really defines the church, that we as a church have to look out for each other and to care for each other. And the important thing is us as a body. And I just want to encourage us, today when you leave here, let, let's be a people that thank God. Even when it hurts and we don't understand, we can be a people that thank God because we know that He's God. And that sooner or later, going to get to see him and it's going to be good and he'll he'll share the information with us then. but right now we trust him we trust him we get a hold and we trust him and i want to encourage you that this is a time to be prayed for this is the time to come and say you know what i need to thank god and i haven't been and i need to be cleansed of this i don't want to be the nine i want to be the one want to be the one this morning.
I want to move all the way up to the front of this stage and I want to be cleansed because I want to live thankfully. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go into this closing song and these people are up here just to pray the blessing and, and the forgiveness and the mercy and the love and the joy and the excitement of God on you as we come forward and say thank you for what God has done in our lives. Holy Spirit, as we bow our heads before you right now, we thank you for today. We thank you for 10 lepers. We thank you, Lord, for one that came back and said, thank you. I thank you for convicting me in this, Holy Spirit. I, can back, I thank you for shaming me in this or allowing me to be ashamed for the times that I don't say thank you. I thank you that it's been a couple of weeks process. I thank you that it's still going to go on. I thank you for this church, for this physical building that we're in, for the people that rent it to us. I thank you for what's going on in the parking lot. But more than that, I thank you for what's going on in the hearts of people. And I just pray that you come and let your conviction settle down upon us. Because we don't want to leave here with ungrateful hearts, God. We need a heart of flesh. So today, God, I pray that as people come forward, you take from them a heart of stone little bitterness, little anger, little frustration, little unhappiness, and you sow into us the joy of our salvation. We release this upon this congregation in Jesus' name.